everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. And my name is Mike. Hello, Mike. Hello. Welcome to Smooth Jazz with none other than Mike on your radio player. What about me? I'm here too. Well, I, I think for a smooth jazz station, you need one person just to kind of cool people down. You would like definitely rile people up. I think. Well, in my voice, it's grating. Nobody wants to sit there and listen. To, oh, wait, this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's a couple thousand people out there. At least this is a problem. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we appreciate you being here. Thank you so very much for uh, each and every one of you. If you're, if you're new to the show and uh, you enjoy it, then uh, head on over to Patreon and uh, throw us a couple of shekels and uh, get yourself 40 plus bonus episodes, whether it's on Patreon or apple subscriptions go ahead it's ready for you sitting right there in the show notes four bonus episodes a month peeps yeah pretty pretty good pretty good not bad so what's going on with you this week uh just terry a lot of activities um if you're watching youtube i apologize for my face um in a baseball hat because we had our son's baseball game today it was just you know a whirlwind saturday we're recording this a day early and likewise i have a little bit of barbecue sauce on my shirt so (laughs) it's very small you can probably you don't think you can see it yeah i can't even see it from here it's right here you see it right there okay a little little bit smidge so i just ate all you could eat ribs and chicken (laughs) because that's healthy yeah so you know i've been talking about being healthier and i ate all you can eat ribs and chicken so i did taste a couple uh, fat pieces and i enjoyed them i enjoyed them so my parents came up to see our son play baseball today so we're like my dad loves the barbecue place down the street from our house and then get this get this guys allison is like yeah we're just gonna do our own thing and get takeout and i was like how do you not want to go out with your parents that's not true i told my mom from the get-go i said i might just have something small if we go i said because i want to save myself for takeout because every saturday is saturday takeout for us okay correct me if i'm wrong but i don't think that you having something small came out until about an hour before they were leaving uh you are the coach of our son's team i said it to my mom at the baseball field oh okay okay. so bite your tongue there done okay good uh, yeah, so I, I want to say a quick uh, thing about barbecue. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to roast me for this, unfortunately, in the southern United States especially, but I believe most barbecue tastes about the same. Uh, well, the barbecue ap- experts would disagree because they've got their own thing. That's why they do like those barbecue cook-offs right. on the Food Network. And not and everybody such. wins first place. There's definitely clearly mm-hmm. people that do. The sauce, and the way they cook it. Some, not even the sauce. Sometimes the seasonings on the meats and such. And I get it. I get. I definitely get it. But I get as much enjoyment from any barbecue place. Like I've been to some of the best places in Texas and I've loved them. But at the same time, this little crap hole down the road is pretty good too. Mm-hmm. So. It's all about the sauce for me. I'm yeah. a sauce gal. I, I like sauce. I like meat. I'm, I kind of like everything. So you're the condiment king, and I'm the condiment queen. Yeah, you sure are. And speaking of being a queen, uh, something that's going to be a little dicey conversation around this household for the next uh, three years, I believe. Okay. Do you have any idea what we're going to get I into? I have no idea what you're talking about. Three. Oh. Uh, Allison approached me this morning. Oh my god. As we were taking a walk this morning, and she goes, uh, "You know, Mike, our uh, 25th anniversary is coming up, and I thought it'd be nice to get a ring upgrade." A stone upgrade. I was like, I freaking hate, 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 hate diamonds. Okay. So I'm like, I don't know. I'm not. I want a lab grown diamond since they're sustainably sourced. That's the reason you want it. No, because you know your cheap husband is way more okay with spending thousands less. We got engaged when we were 21 years old and finishing college. You didn't even have a job. I had a job. No, you didn't. We were at university. 
We were at Northern Illinois University when you proposed in February of 2001. Really? Yes, really. Okay. So I thought 25 years of marriage, that's pretty monumental. Hey, why not? And then old Cheapo here is like, yeah, uh, okay. I am vehemently against diamonds because they only give, they only have value because we give it to them. And I think there's a lot of guys listening that'll be like, heck yeah, bro. And man, not even maybe some girls too. I'm sure some girls are also saying the same thing. Heck yeah, bro. Oh yeah, I'm sure. And uh, it's it's an unfortunate thing that they only have value because we give it to them. Like there's plenty of diamonds all over the place. It's not a scarcity issue. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, but and Mike's like, well, why do you like them? I'm like, because I do. No, and that wasn't good enough. And I said, why? You have to why? say why. And why? I was like, is it vanity? And you're just like, yeah, I just want to, you know, like, oh, I like God. shiny things. So it starts at like a diamond and then it goes to what? Like shoes oh, and yeah. purses uh-huh. and all this stuff. Do you see what I'm wearing right now? I am not a fancy girl. Yeah, I so, wear gym shoes and joggers and a baseball so hat on my get head. Like a little like flexible band on your no, finger. Who I'm not going to do that because if I've had to deal with you for 25 years of marriage, it's the least, listen, the least you listen, could do. Listen here, a lady. Uh, I, I'm the one that does our are uh, DMs in Instagram, and there's tons of ladies throwing themselves out. I don't know about I'm that. I'm talking about tons of ladies. <laughs> ladies, if you are, just realize he is Ebenezer Scrooge with you, very tightly sewn pockets. You should see these pictures coming my way. Some of the areolas, huge. Huge areolas. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay, and then uh, other things, yeah, it depends what you're into, I guess. There's there's quite a many options. People are like, Mike, do you like what I look like? Ooh, la, la. And then I told Mike I wanted one of those LED like um, face mask things that you wear to um, help with your skin. They're called Cleopatra masks because well, I saw the one it, I got. Was I saw the it on our debit card. I saw it on our yeah. debit card charge. Yeah. And he's like, "Well, why do you need that?" Well, you also said it'd be on sale, and I don't think it was. It was a President's Day sale. It was okay. Okay. I was I bought it with two hours remaining. Okay, if you say so. I oh, do say so. Is that like what they say every time you go to the website? I don't know. <laughs> I had. I had only been to the website that once or twice. <laughs> twice the day before. But it was or... President's Day, and then it was a few days after President's Day, and they extended that sale for me. Lucky us. I tell so you. it's like I don't get Botox. I've never had a massage in my life. I don't go to spas or anything like that. B- because Let you don't want to be touched by somebody. This LED mask on my face. I'm almost 45 years old. Let me have my fun. I'm letting you. You have whatever you want. You work hard for a living. I'm doing the best I can here, Mike. Yeah. And, and these poor people on YouTube have to look at this face that right now has no makeup on. Yeah, it's pretty bad. So if you if you normally like listen to us first on the podcast, then go to YouTube. Don't go to YouTube. Don't go to YouTube. Yeah, because you'll never ever come back again. We've scarred you. Yeah. Sorry. All right. Well, on that note, should we get into this <laughs> terrible story that I have for you today? Yeah, I can't wait. So this is a listener suggestion from Bobby. This is the murders of Natalie and Chase DeBlaze. And I will tell you, please listen with care because this case does involve two children. So, and you will despise the two adults in this case so much by the end of the story. So in 2010, John DeBlaze was a 27-year-old man from Mobile County, Alabama. It is Mobile, right? Oh, Sure. I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. Mobile, Alabama. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you. So he had a relatively normal upbringing. He graduated from high school in 2003. He went on to work at various jobs and he started a relationship with a woman named Corrine Heathcock. This was not in 2010. This was prior to that. So the couple welcomed their daughter, Natalie, into the world on November 24th, 2005. And then in June of 2006, they went on to get, get married 
And then their son Chase was born on December 29th, 2006, when Natalie was one. So the marriage was not smooth. It was very tumultuous. It involved intermittent periods of separation. So during one of their separations, John developed a close circle of friends. They were all interested in wrestling. That's what they bonded over. So, you know, this is a hobby he was into watching, and this group was as well. Um, real quick, wrestling, there's like a huge fan base, gigantic. Like, My uncle was into it. I mean, even now, like Netflix just bought the rights to some WWE thing, mm-hmm. and it's like for millions, maybe even a billion. I don't know, like a lot. So yeah. there's a lot of people still into it. People like to get together at like bars or whatever and sure. watch it. It's, it's not my cup of tea, but to each their own. So during one of their separations, one of this, the friends that were interested in wrestling decided to move in with John just to really offset the costs of living. So ultimately, he and Corrine, they resolved their differences and she moved back into the home. And then she began a relationship with the friend uh, that had moved in while she was gone. Nice. So obviously that didn't sit well. And this led to the ultimate demise of the marriage, which again was already built on a very rocky foundation. So after Corinne and the children or Corinne and the children moved out, John moved in with his parents. This is Richard and Anda Blaze. Corinne and the children, um, Corinne had the children, I should say, until John ultimately filed for the, the divorce in May of 2009. At that point, Natalie and Chase then moved in with their father and their grandparents. So the divorce was final the next month, and John was awarded primary custody of the two children, Natalie and Chase. So primary custody meaning what? Like meaning 100% custody? Pretty much 100%, yes. Wow, so you, I'm sure you have the reason why. They didn't give exactly specific. All they said was Corinne just basically lost contact with, or excuse me, last had contact with the kids on November 17th, 2009. She at the time was deemed that she wasn't fit. She was unable to care for the children. Why exactly? Reason. They didn't specify. It doesn't matter. She just can't. She did still at this point have regular visitation with them. So Natalie and Chase, they were considered happy children by all accounts. There was no indication as of this point in time that they had been subjected to any kind of abuse. So Corinne, like I just said a second ago, she last saw her children on November 17th, 2009. At that point in time, she had no concerns over their safety or their care. So in 2000, October of 2008, John met a woman. Her name is Heather Keaton. They met on social media. I don't know on what extent, and I believe maybe it was through one of their separations because at that point he was still with his wife. So she was enrolled as an undergraduate student at Spring Hill College in Mobile, where she was attending on a scholarship. She was visually impaired, and in 2009, she became ill. At that point in time, she returned to stay with her family, who lived in Louisville, Kentucky. When she recovered, she went back to Mobile, and at that point in time, she moved into the home of Robert and Anne DeBlaze, along with John, Natalie, and Chase. The living situation was not good at all. It was very tense. Heather often argued with Anne about the proper way to care for the children. She asserted herself as superior in regards to child rearing. So she's trying to tell the grandma how to run things here. Yes, in the grandmother's own home. Nice. So Heather's outspoken, domineering nature came to a head. It was not good. Richard informed Heather that it was time for her to leave. 
So on December 23rd, 2009, Heather, John, and the kids moved out of the DeBlaze home and in with a woman named Dana Mullins. The next month in January of 2010, they left Dana's house and went to stay with one of John's friends that he knew from wrestling. They did this for the next several weeks. So this family was the Rios family, and this included John's friend, Robin Rios, his wife, Heather Rios. So now there's two Heathers under one roof and their children. So during their time with the Rios family, John and Heather often argued about Heather's desire to move back to Louisville. She explained to Heather Rios that she had absolutely no desire to raise Natalie and Chase, despite John's desire to live together as a cohesive family of four. Oh, great. The arguments between John and Heather got so severe, just like what happened with the DeBlaze house, they were asked to leave. It was that bad. You know, they're staying in this people's home and causing a big ruckus. And meanwhile, the Rios family has children there. So they were asked to leave. Like, we can't have you here. You're making it an absolute hellhole. Get right. Out. So Heather Rios was so concerned that she reached out to Anne DeBlaze to express her worry and her doubts that Heather Keaton could possibly care for the children, or I should say properly care for the children. So in early 2010, John contacted his parents. He asked if he could borrow their car. He was planning on relocating his two children to live with his parents. But then the very next day, he contacted Ann and Richard and said that mm, plans have changed. And instead, the kids are going to stay with himself and Heather. So now it's February and John, Heather, Natalie and Chase went back to the Rios home. They were just there for the day to celebrate a birthday. So when they arrived, Robin and Heather Rios noticed that there was a foul odor coming from Chase, their child. And John and Heather explained that Chase was suffering from diarrhea. And it was so bad that at the party, Heather Rios made the decision to stop what she was doing and actually bathe their child, Chase. Wow. Which is sad. Yeah. Usually when you have diarrhea, you don't actively go around smelling like it. Right. It's and like it's like crazy. If he's sick, why is he at a party? Yeah. And if he's soiled himself, why is he at a party? Like right. it's it's just a sad situation. Yeah. So she also noticed that both Natalie and Chase seemed very hungry. They ate a large volume of food while at their home. As the party was ending and they were parting ways, Heather Rios advised John and Heather Keaton to seek medical attention for Chase. He just didn't seem well. After the birthday party, the Rios family never saw Natalie again. So this party was the last time they ever saw both kids together. So in late January of 2010, John, Heather, Natalie, and Chase went to see a man named Roger Champion and his family at a trailer in North Mobile County. The, the Champion family was relocating to North Alabama, and they agreed to allow John and his family to rent the trailer from them. So the night before the Champion family left, John brought hamburgers for himself and Heather, and the Champion family is seeing that while they're eating their hamburgers, Natalie and Chase were only allowed to share one small salad. And what three- and four-year-old child likes to eat a salad? Uh, like what a piece of shit father what like i don't i don't care what this lady is doing you know like you should be the father these are your kids and like man up and man up come up to the situation and take care of your damn kids i i am Sorry for so infuriated by the story it's it's unbelievable i hate it already so the next day roger champion observed chase and natalie sharing one individual snack size box of cereal and again multiple people said that they seemed hungry in their presence 
So while John and Roger were loading the champion's furniture into a truck, they could hear the kids screaming and crying from inside. So when Roger went to investigate what was going on, he was told by his wife that she saw Heather holding Natalie up by her hair while she was beating her with a belt, and then she pushed Chase to the floor. Heather had gotten enraged because the kids had eaten part of a chocolate pie that was left on the kitchen counter. Roger confronted John and warned him not to let anything happen to the kids. John responded by explaining that Heather was in charge of the disciplining of the kids, and merely it was just a spanking. Roger's wife was so upset and sickened by what she witnessed in her trailer. So she saw it, though. She saw it. Roger Champion's wife saw what happened. Roger was outside with John. She was so disgusted and upset that she just, she had to like leave the trailer. Oh, it sounds horrific. I mean, can you imagine a a four year old little girl? Sweet baby. So Roger knew Richard and Ann, the parents, the grandparents. And so he reached out to them and voiced his concern about the children's safety under the care of Heather. This is the second person reaching out. And it's like, yeah, it's the, it's the grandmother. Yeah. She can't do much if her stupid ass son is too like dumb love struck for some idiotic reason with this girl. So now at this point, Heather Rios and now John Champ, or I'm sorry, Roger Champion have both reached out to the grandparents to say, hey, we're worried about them in Heather's care. He also called a man named Creighton Hobbs, who is a mutual friend, excuse me, of John's and asked him, can you please check on Natalie and Chase's well-beings? Because we're leaving, we're relocating, and we're not going to be here to do so. So Hobbs agreed, and he had previously been at a barbecue at the Champions trailer with John, Heather, and the kids. On that occasion, he saw Heather's abusive treatment of Chase and Natalie. She was screaming and swearing at them as she roughly grabbed at Natalie. She complained that the children were just horrible and like demons spawned from hell. Hobbs felt that the treatment was completely out of line and very concerning. He told Heather not to treat the children that way, and if she did continue to do so, he would notify the police. Meanwhile, John stood by as this was happening. He did nothing to stop Heather from abusing his own children. John sucks. sucks. And obviously, I know Heather definitely sucks She's and a, should be like die a immediately. Monster. Yeah, absolutely. That, I don't want to glaze over that point. But right. If anybody can stop Heather, it's this dumbass John. Like, this step is in, man. His children. Can you imagine like somebody doing that to your kids? Oh my God. I, I, I would lose it. I would absolutely lose it. And be. Like, so gone from that situation. As a parent, it is our job to protect our children. And he is standing by watching this woman manhandle and abuse his children. Another situation where I just want to jump into this frame. You know, the story. poor babies. I I want to jump into this movie. Unfortunately, it's not a movie. It's, It's real life. This is real life. So as an observer, it was Hobbs' opinion that Heather was obviously the domineering member of the relationship as he's watching John just sit there and say nothing like a little wuss. So in February of 2010, with the advice from Roger Hobbs went to the trailer because again, Roger asked him, I'm relocating. I won't be there. Can you please check on them? So he did. He went to check on the well-being of the children. When he arrived, it was a bizarre scene. He found John on the floor in pain and Heather was upset 
So of course he's asking what the heck is happening here. So Heather claimed that John's parents and his aunt and uncle had forced their way into the trailer, causing injury to John's ribs in the process. And then they pushed Heather to the floor. As Hab stood by, Heather declared, referring to herself, I hope this baby dies. And this is when Hobbs learned that Heather herself was pregnant. Oh, my God. Like, talk about people that don't deserve kids. We've said this before, where it's like so many awesome families just want to have a child and are unable to. Meanwhile, these scumbag idiots have kids all over the place. Yep. So Hobbs drove John and Heather to the emergency room for examination and later returned them to the trailer. While the two were being examined, he took Natalie and Chase out to dinner. And when they were out to dinner, he noticed that the kids were extremely hungry. Soon after, John told Hobbs that they were moving from the trailer to a place called Peach Place Apartments. So Anda Blaze would later tell another version of what happened that day because obviously they're being accused of barging their way in, hurting John's ribs and pushing Heather to the floor. This is the grandma. This is the grandma. Yeah, that Heather said busted in and hurt them. Yes. So she said that she had not seen the children since December 23rd, 2009. She had been unable to give the kids their Christmas presents or give Chase his birthday present because his birthday is right after Christmas. So they weren't even aware of where John and his family were living at the time. But after speaking with John's friends, this is how they learned that they were living in the champion's trailer. So in February, Richard and Anne, as well as Richard's sister, Rose Heathcox, and her husband went to the trailer to give their kids their Christmas presents and birthday presents. So when they knocked on the door, John opened it. He appeared surprised to see them. He did allow them to come in, but he didn't seem happy with their impromptu drop-in. So they're, you know, coming in, they're giving the kids their presents, and he allowed them to give the presents, and then the kids began to open them. So as this is happening, suddenly Heather came in from the back of the trailer. She was upset. She was shouting words to the effect of, what is that B word doing here in reference to Anne, John's mom? So in order to avoid an escalation, Richard and Ann are like, okay, we're going to go. So they left the trailer at that point. They waited in the car while Rose and her husband were finishing up saying their goodbyes. So this was the last time, sadly, that they would ever speak with or see their grandchildren. Mm -hmm. So they denied there ever being a physical altercation that they claimed happened, that they pushed their way in and damaged John's ribs and pushed Heather to the floor. They said that simply did not happen. Did John just like jump to the floor when his friend came in to check? We don't know what the situation was, but they said that that absolutely did not happen. So in late February of 2010, John, Heather, Chase, and Natalie moved into Unit 41 of Peach Place Apartments. The manager of Peach Place, Nicole Conniff, often observed the kids outside the apartment. They were playing in the parking area. They were unattended near a high-traffic street, despite the fact that they were only three and four years old. I keep on picturing them as older, and it's just like three and four is young. They are very young. I have no idea what's going on. She, as well as other apartment occupants, were often concerned for their safety, just as I would be. I I would be like, this cannot happen. That's not even first grade, obviously. Oh, God, no. That's like five years old. Eight years old or nine. Easy for me to say. Kindergarten is uh, five years old. Okay, so they're not even old enough for kindergarten. They're preschoolers. They are preschool. So Chase is three, and he often appeared to be wearing a dirty, sagging diaper. They just didn't look cared for. 
So on one occasion, Nicole entered the family's unit with the pest control inspector. They did try to knock first. They knocked multiple times on the door. There was no response. So at that point, Nicole utilized her master key to enter. And when she did, she found Natalie and Chase sitting on the floor facing different walls in the living room of the small apartment. As they entered, Heather came running out of the bedroom, screaming and swearing as she accused the children, again, I will repeat, three and four-year-old children, for letting people into the apartment. The children were visibly shaking. As Nicole is trying to explain, they did not let me in. I utilized my master key to enter, but this didn't matter. Heather remained upset. So sometime later, John and Heather went to Nicole to complain about the fact that she did enter the apartment, which she explained to them that this was in the rental agreement that you signed, that we have keys and when we have a pest person here, we are allowed to enter with the key. So, you know, while this is happening, John is also, you know, being described as using threatening tones during their discussion. And on occasion, police units came to Peach Place for various reasons. I don't know if it was in a rough part of town or what, but oftentimes John would come and ask Nicole why the police were there. It was happening so frequently that she finally asked him, do you have something to hide? Like, why do you care? So during the first week of March 2010, the Rios family happened to run into John at Walmart. He told them that Chase was waiting in the van with Heather. So they went out to see Chase And when they did, they realized that Natalie wasn't with them. So they asked where she was, and they were told that she was staying with friends. They were shocked by Chase's appearance. He seemed to be in a stupor. He was extremely pale to the point that they described his appearance as emergency room sick. How many people need to see this to before they call the cops? I know. I mean... In hindsight, I, yeah, it's obviously, very right. sad. But like, okay, if they didn't call the cops at this point, then I'm going to question these people. They didn't. Okay, what the hell is wrong with you? Call the freaking cops, man! I know you don't want to like deal with other people and stuff, but like you've the, you've personally been a part of this because it happened under your watch at your own house. Like, not that you're responsible for them, but these are children. These are helpless right. children. Helpless children like that you, need an adult to a, help them. A kid that seems like drunk, probably because he has like maybe she's you know giving him drugs to like not have to deal with them or something like that and you see just how emaciated and stuff like call the cops man right to the point that they are thinking this kid needs to be in the hospital not in the parking lot of walmart oh we better leave and not tell anybody so they insisted they spoke with john they insisted that he get chase medical attention he did at that point call an area clinic he reported his son was having diarrhea the staff advised him to give Chase Gatorade and monitor him because they're not seeing him. They're over the phone. Yeah. So this was the last time the Rios family ever saw Chase. I mean, obviously, you don't want to think that your friend John can kill his own kids or what is you or know, stand doing by. This. Yeah, but he saw it. He has seen it happen plenty of times at his own like apartment or house or trailer, whatever it was at their property. Oh, man, I, I really wish they would have done something. So when John was enrolled in a massage therapy class at Blue Cliff Career College in Mobile in August of 2009, he met a woman named Renee Pierce. She often gave him rides to class. She was aware of the fact that he did have two children. 
So John took a leave of absence from the school from January 14th to March 2nd, 2010. And when he returned, Renee immediately saw something different about him. She described him as weird and said that he appeared to be unclean and unkempt. And his appearance remained this way until he ultimately dropped out in July of 2010. Before John did drop out of Blue Cliff, Heather came along to a class with John on June 21st, 2010. He bumped into Renee and she asked where the kids were because obviously now both of them are there at the school. Who's watching the three and the four-year-olds? She was told that they were with a friend. Heather came along several more times and when she spoke with Renee, she told her that she did not want to be the mother to Natalie and Chase and that someone needed to teach Natalie that she was not a princess. During the conversation, she referred to them as spawn of Satan and referred to her her own unborn child as the chosen one. Heather also expressed concern that Natalie and Chase would be jealous of her child when it was born. And I will remind you, we're talking about a three and a four year old at yeah, this point. I have no idea. Yeah. So on June 20th, 2010, Hobbs called John. Of course, Hobbs is the one that has told the champions he will be checking on them. So he called and asked John what his plans were for Father's Day. It was Father's Day. What are you going to do with Natalie and Chase for Father's Day? He told them that he had gifts for the kids. He wanted to come by and give them their gifts. John told them that he would call him when he got home. He never did. And when Hobbs tried calling and calling and calling, he would not answer these calls. So on July 23rd, 2010, John and Heather were evicted from Peach Place. I'm not sure what they did to ultimately get the boot. Probably just not pay. Yeah, possibly. They briefly went to stay with Heather's grandma in Rome, Georgia. They then relocated to Louisville, Kentucky, where Heather's mom, Helena, or Helena, excuse me, Helena Keaton lived with her fiance, Jim Emery. So they were told, because of course they're showing up without either child. So they're explaining that they are living with relatives in Las Vegas. Okay. Mm -hmm. Don't know who's in Vegas. But Helena, or Helena, I don't know why I can't ever say that name. Helena owned rental property in Louisville, and this is where John and Heather ended up staying. So in the house next door was a man named Les Wilson and his wife. Les just happened to be a retired police officer and also Jim Emery's friend. This is Helena's um, fiance. So on August 25th, 2010, now Heather is giving birth to a baby girl. So they're having their own child together. So now moving on to November 14th, 2010, John was leaving his job at the airport when he just happened to be pulled over for running a stop sign. And as the officer stopping him, he had no vehicle registration. He had other traffic violations against him. So he ended up being jailed overnight. His van was impounded at that time. So the next day, Helena overheard John and Heather fighting. Heather said, so you're going to be like that? You're not with me because you love me. You're with me because, and then she stopped. And she heard John say, I'll tell. And Helena became immediately concerned. She demanded at that point to know what is going on and where are the children. Good job. Because of course she's being told her in Las Vegas, based on this conversation, she's not buying it. Nice. So Heather said that the children were no longer with them and that something happened to Natalie in the spring and something happened to Chase on Father's Day. So Helena told her fiance, Jim, Jim then called Les for advice. How should we handle this? I don't know what to do. 
So when Jim spoke with Les, he voiced suspicion that he believed that John's children may have been murdered. Who's Les, the uh, old cop? The next door neighbor who is also a retired police officer. Sorry, a lot of names. No, yeah, I know. It is a lot of names. So being a retired police officer, he knows people. So Les made some phone calls. And I'm sorry, Les is already suspicious. Les is not suspicious because he knows nothing. Oh. He's getting a phone call from Jim, Helena's fiance. Yeah. I think something's wrong. Something happened to these kids. So at this point, Les is calling around and he spoke with Lieutenant Kevin Thompson from the Louisville Metro Police Department. He arranged for officers to go to where the DeBlaze family was living. I I shouldn't say family per se. John and Heather are living there now with their new baby girl. So he goes to do a welfare check, see what's going on, scope it out. So when he arrived, he saw that Heather was fine. She was unharmed. There was no signs of any kind of struggle or that anything was going on. So they felt that her behavior was odd. They asked, do you want to come with us? Do you feel safe to stay here? They're trying to get a feeling for what's going on. Yeah, of course. The first thing you worry about is abuse. Right. Yeah, makes sense. So she's slowly gathering her belongings. And in the meantime, John just sat quietly. He did what he does best. He just sat there. He was staring out the window. And soon after Heather left, Les saw John leaving the apartment. He was carrying a travel bag as if he was leaving. So when Lieutenant Thompson brought Heather into the office to speak with her, he found her responses to be very odd. They were rambling and they were confusing. She seemed to be portraying herself as a disabled victim of abuse by John, and she indicated that because of her blindness, she was unsure as to what happened to Natalie and Chase. She had just no idea. Yeah, you don't mention the blindness until you're almost in trouble. Until it's convenient. So she elaborated that Natalie had a toxic odor on her breath. She lost control of her bodily functions and she vomited black stuff. She said that on March 4th, John left for school and Natalie was put in a tarp inside the closet. Heather said that she was worried. So she called John who assured her that he would check on her when he got home. What? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. There's a four-year-old little girl in a tarp in the closet? Yeah, she, you were worried because she was spitting out blood and, and her breath smelled like probably from the blood and she's wrapped in a tarp. That makes complete sense. And he's just going to check on her when he gets home. Meanwhile, oh. she's in the apartment. Oh, Natalie's wrapped in the tarp in the closet. Yeah, okay, I'll check on her. Okay. Psycho. So obviously this is very bizarre to the police. It's not making sense. She said that then when he did get home, Natalie was unresponsive. She was dressed in red pajamas. She was put in the back of the van. And once it had gotten dark, they waited for it to get dark. And then John placed her in the back of his van. He then drove her to an area that Heather was not able to describe. Obviously, she's blind. She couldn't describe what it looked like. She said that John went to a wooded area, opened the back of the van, and she assumed that he disposed of Natalie's body at that point. Very sad. So that was on March 4th. Horrible. So she went on to say then on June 20th, which just so happened to be Father's Day, Chase had the exact same symptoms of his sister. He became unresponsive as well. So he was vomiting black stuff also. According to Heather, just as he did with Natalie, John placed Chase's body in the back of the van. He drove to an undisclosed location. So Lieutenant Thompson felt that Heather was not being truthful. She was not nearly as naive as she was claiming to be. Right. 
he felt that when it suited her, she was very calculated. Yeah. He knew she was putting on an act. Good job. So Lieutenant Thompson contacted law enforcement in Mobile because obviously that's where all of this happened. Yeah. And, you know, he's giving all the information that he's provided with about the missing and likely deceased children. So when Lieutenant Thompson confiscated Heather's cell phone, he heard voicemails that John had left her. He was crying and saying that he was sorry that things had turned out the way that they had. When they searched John's impounded van, they discovered uh, pictures of Natalie and Chase, stuffed animals, a duffel bag, and a container of antifreeze. A second search utilized cadaver dogs. They alerted to the scent of a dead body on the items that were in the back interior of the van, which tells them that absolutely the children are deceased. Mm -hmm. So Sergeant Angela Prine, excuse me, who was assigned to the case in Mobile, contacted John's friends and family to get information. What is going on here? Including Corinne, who is the children's mother who indicated that she had not seen or been in contact with Natalie and Chase in over a year. I, I, I have no words for that. Yeah, you're, she's useless. I, I am a mother. I, I have no words for that. I hope she finds peace or whatever she's got to have problems with. Right, something, something's going on there. So Sergeant Prine traveled to Louisville and obtained an arrest warrant for Heather on charges of child abuse. Her cell phone was traced. She was soon arrested. So when Sergeant Prine interviewed Heather on November 30th, 2010, she once again gave a rambling, self-serving and confusing statement round and round and round again. She denied knowing where or excuse me, she denied knowing how the children had died. She attributed her lack of knowing to the fact that she was blind. She was also ill during her pregnancy. I guarantee she told John or whoever, or she was the one that killed the Mm -hmm. children. I promise you times a million that she was the reason they're dead. So she was always, always the one to be the aggressor and the abuser of the children and everyone's views while John just sat by and did nothing. Right. hundred percent. So like, you know, she's, she's blind when she talks to the cops, but when she's able to beat children and and not feed them, she can see totally fine. Disgusting. Not saying that she's not blind, but it's like, she is, but it's, she's using it to her convenience. Exactly. So when they confronted her about the reports of her abuse, uh, her abusing the children, because obviously when the police are talking to the family members they're telling them everything they had seen, she aggressively responded that John's friends were only trying to conspire against her. She was then arrested for child abuse and extradited back to Mobile. In the meantime, John had left Louisville because, of course, they saw him leaving the place with a duffel bag. He traveled to Pace, Florida to stay with his friend named Randall. Randall sees this news report on December 2nd, 2010, while John is staying with him, that indicates that police are searching for John in regards to his missing children. He's like, oh my gosh. He's like, hey buddy, uh, don't take this the wrong way, but you can't stay here. So, of course, Randall confronted John, who denied killing his children. He then gathered his belongings and left Randall's house on foot. So, of course, Randall contacted the local police, and John was soon apprehended. I would make sure to slice both of his Achilles tendons so he can't go very far. Piece of crap. So Lieutenant Boykin and Sergeant Prine from Mobile area were noted uh, notified about the fact that he was leaving and they traveled to Florida with a warrant for his arrest on charges of abuse of a corpse. 
After his first interview on December 3rd, he was transported to Mobile and en route, he's telling the officers that there's an area off Beverly Jeffries Highway near Citronelle in North Mobile County. He informed that, that this is the general area of where he disposed of his daughter's body. They then proceeded to Highway 57 north of Van Cleve, Mississippi, where John believed that he disposed of his son's body. So after the first interview, John made up an incredible story about the children being kidnapped on Father's Day in broad daylight by two armed men who were wearing masks. He quickly changed his story. He admitted that Natalie had died months earlier than Chase. It's a big change. Yes. He then went on to tell a more accurate version of events based on later interviews and discovered evidence. He said that before he left for school on March 4th, Heather had bound Natalie's arms and legs with duct tape. And while she was unable to move her limbs, she was placed into a suitcase. This is the same date that Heather talked about that she was concerned that Natalie was in the closet in a tarp. Right. So March 4th is adding up on both accounts. Yep. So he's leaving. His daughter, in the meantime, is bound with duct tape and placed into a suitcase. But at the time when he was leaving, the suitcase was open. He said he made eye contact with his daughter, the four-year-old, and she was alive. He elaborated that this was how Heather disciplined Natalie. So she would, you know, just want her to change her attitude. She was simply disciplining Natalie at the time. So he left. Natalie had been referred to as a princess of the family. This was something that Heather did not like. It's a child. Like a, she's a four-year-old beautiful child. Beautiful I haven't even seen her, girl. but like any four-year-old you know, described as a princess, like what? Let dreams be dreams. I like think a, uh, I, obviously there's nothing sane to say about no, this Heather idiot. But I think about our daughter when she was four. She's now 12. She wore her Disney like princess dresses all the time or her Disney princess nightgowns all the time. Like that's the epitome of a four year old little girl. And anything's possible. You know, maybe you can turn into. Yeah, if you. Yeah, you are a princess. Whatever. You know, it's fun. So Heather hated the fact that she was referred to as the princess of the family. Oh, God, I want to stab her in her eyes, Heather, and everything. So John said that he was gone from their Peach Place apartment for 12 to 14 hours on that day. You know, of course, this is the day as he's leaving. He's making eye contact with his daughter who's in the suitcase bound with duct tape. So when he got home, he's now finding that the suitcase is inside the closet. It had been zipped closed. When he opened the suitcase, he found Natalie inside. She was cold and stiff. Her jaw was locked open as if something had been previously stuffed inside her mouth. Oh, my gosh. This is so heartbreaking. She was then dressed in her red pajamas. She was placed inside the van where they disposed of her body in a wooded area. When police questioned, why hadn't you called 911 to report what Heather had done while you were at school or wherever the hell he was? He said that he loved Heather. He didn't want to lose her. He didn't want to lose their unborn child or Chase. So that's why he didn't call. Oh, my God. You suck at life, buddy. You got to just like be done with life and living and be done watching children because you're unfit. And uh, man, Heather is just another. She's a monster. Yeah. Somebody that doesn't deserve life. So now John's going on to say about what happened to Chase. 
He said that on the evening of June 19th, he saw Heather duct tape Chase to a broom handle in order to discipline him over potty training. He was placed in the corner of the bedroom, unable to move his arms or his legs. He was wedged against the wall by a dresser. A tarp was placed under his feet. John said he took a sleeping pill so that he could sleep in the room where Chase was forced to stand, tied to a broomstick wedged between a dresser and a wall. This is a three-year-old little baby boy. I mean, how? How does a human do this? It's like He's, it's unthinkable. You would happen in a movie and you would think there's no way somebody could be this evil and heinous and un, just do these horrible things. Like, to an innocent child. Like if anybody's listening and like is super annoyed by your kids, you know, I get it. Kids can get annoying. Sure, for sure. They test your patience. And please give your kids up for adoption. Just bring them to a fire department. Drop them off. Like, go ahead, please. Like, just if, if kids are annoying, it's okay. Some people, you know, maybe they are devil spawn and hate, you know, whatever, whatever this Heather idiot was saying. Maybe your kids are devil spawn. That's fine. Drop them off at a fire department. They'll take Someone care of them. Someone will help them. Yes. Huh? You don't, you could be anonymous. Just do it. Just, just please take them somewhere. Or like, please. So this doesn't happen. Like this isn't the way. You no. know, this and, the way and so happen. many people in this story would have taken care of the kids. Yeah. Except they didn't call the cop. I'm, I'm not going to blame I will, yeah, the Rios is a little bit, but that's about it. Well, you know, think about Anne DeBlaze and, you know, Richard. They got multiple phone calls that the kids weren't safe in Heather's care. You know, you can point fingers all around. Yeah, it's not going to bring them back. It's not bringing them back. So, of course, I'm saying John is taking this sleeping pill to sleep while his son is forced to stand. (laughs) What a freaking loser, man. What a piece of shit. You're such a freaking like loser that doesn't deserve these beautiful children i said it again i just can't get over it so the next morning he's waking up he found chase still taped to the broom at this point in time now a sock was wedged in his mouth tape was around his face he said that chase was dead so he placed his body in a garbage bag he took him to mississippi where his body was discarded in the woods John said that before both of the children's deaths, he had noticed a strong odor on their breaths. He saw that they were vomiting, again, black stuff. He said that he never sought medical attention for the children or contacted law enforcement. After his arrest, John wrote a number of letters which were authenticated by the FBI by a handwriting expert. The letters had been written between December 8th, 2010 and January 2nd, 2011, Several letters referred to an ultimatum from Heather in January of 2010 that have, if John, John basically had to choose between her or his children. He said that because he was blinded by love, he chose Heather. Because of this decision, he allowed Heather to treat Natalie and Chase however she wanted. They were beaten with a belt. They were forced to stand in the corner for extended periods of time. They were given poison in their sippy cups in order to break their spirits. This is why their breath smelled weird. This is why they were vomiting black stuff. This is why the Rios family saw Chase looking pale with diarrhea in a stupor because they were given poison, likely antifreeze. Oh, man, John, I hope he's not put to death. I hope he just like lives in solitary confinement and just gets beaten the shit like every single day in jail. I hope he gets beaten within a few inches of his life so he can have to do it over again. As to how he found Natalie in the suitcase, 
This changed in his letters. In one, he said that she was bound and dead. Others said that she was alive when he found her. When he asked her why she wouldn't obey Heather, he held her in the air and choked her to death to stop the torture that she was undergoing. So we don't know exactly who killed Natalie. He said, you know, he found her deceased in the suitcase when he came home. In another letter, he said that he actually killed her to stop her torture. So we're not ultimately sure. Regardless, the little girl was suffering so terribly. And like, I'm sure she did nothing to like misbehave. It was just being alive, basically. She's four. Right. And again, it's because this ultimatum was given and he chose Heather and she told him I am going to do whatever I want to your children and he said he was so blinded by love that he agreed he let this happen man alive she must have been like a witch doctor or something I don't know what exactly so so again he's saying he he stopped her torture he wrote the same about chase in some letters investigators received these letters in September of 2011 from an inmate, excuse me. So wait, I think I just read that wrong. I'm sorry. So basically the same thing happened in the letters that he wrote about Chase. And some, Heather was the reason why he died and some he was the cause of his death. Okay. So investigators received these letters in September of 2011. They were given them by an inmate that John was housed with. So on December 8th, after previously unsuccessful searches of the children's bodies, a search member found scattered remains in the woods, not far from the road in Mississippi. Multiple pieces of gray duct tape were found close to where the skull was located. A white sock was still attached to the tape. Pieces of a garbage bag, training pants for a child, and a diaper were located in the area. Blonde hairs were still attached to the tape. And when the tape was placed back together, it would have formed the dimensions of a child's head. It would have covered the child's entire face with only the nose exposed. Where the sock was attached would have been at the location of the mouth. These proved to be the skeletal remains of Chase after DNA from a tooth was used. Review of Chase's orbital bones showed signs of anemia and malnutrition due to the porous nature of the bone. Natalie's remains were found three days later on December 11th. Remnants of red clothing were located nearby her remains. They had said that she was wearing red pajamas at the time that they disposed of her body. They also identified her remains from a DNA from a tooth. Examination of what bones were found indicated growth disruption, which could be caused, you know, from various things, including nutritional deficiencies. Yeah, I think we got that. That's, poisoning that's also. Yep. And also psychological stress or high fever. All those things. This poor baby. Because of the condition of the remains, the cause of death could not be identified for either child. In 2011, after Natalie and Chase's remains were exhumed due to a court order for testing of ethylene glycol, which is an active ingredient in antifreeze. So they were ordered to test the remains. No traces of the chemical were found. That doesn't mean that it wasn't given. There can be multiple reasons for this. The method of testing may not have been sensitive enough. The chemical was never ingested. Maybe it washed away by the elements. It could have also been metabolized. Clearly they killed her. So So it's possible they were given the antifreeze. 
So in 2011, um, or excuse me, John claimed that he was not guilty of capital murder as he had no part of the abuse or the murders. And at most, he was guilty of reckless manslaughter. Now go to hell. You're sorry. If I'm in that jury, man, capital murder, whatever the top is like, that's not good enough. Like that's not enough. Like you're, you're going to be screwed on the, the biggest possible charges we can give you. You're done. Well, he added that he was a good father before he met Heather. Oh, great job. The problem is after. So mm-hmm. that's that's where the problem came in, John. So see, if you would have continued to be a good father like you were before you met Heather and maybe gotten rid of Heather and maybe taken care of your children and not watched them die, then maybe we wouldn't be having this conversation. We wouldn't be having this but conversation. See, that's where the problem started when you became a bad father. And that's why you're going to go to jail for the rest of your life. So, of course, he's pointing the finger at Heather. He said that she was the domineering one in the relationship. She was also mentally unstable. Yes, all those things are true. John was diagnosed with schizotypal personality disorder with dependent features and antisocial personality disorder. A person suffering from this disorder has difficulty forming relationships. They have issues with their own identity. They are typically plagued by social anxiety. They're kind of a chameleon. They basically become what others want them to be in fear of being abandoned. John also had a low IQ. He had low intellectual functioning as well as ADD. Both John and Heather were charged with capital murder and sentenced to death. Perfect. John's trial lasted 12 and a half days with a jury by a 10 to 2 vote recommending he be sentenced to death by lethal injection. Those two jurors can go to hell. Yeah. What the hell are you thinking? I mean, maybe maybe they're thinking, I don't want him to die. I want him to suffer, suffer. forever. In that case, I'm with you. The jury was forced to sit through the disturbing testimony of the suffering that the children had experienced before their ultimate deaths. John told Mobile County Circuit Judge Rick Stout, I am not going to beg for mercy. I am not going to ask for mercy. I am going to ask for my life. I love my kids. I did not kill my kids. This is John. This is John. I'd get, if I'm a juror, I'd get up and say, like, shut up. Like, shut your mouth. If, if you loved your kids, they'd still be here. Now shut up and sit down. Like, <laughs> oh, you're out of order. Yeah, he's out of order. Yeah, his <laughs> his existence is out of order. Right. In October of 2020, Heather's sentence was overturned when when her defense alleged that she did not have the chance to speak to the court before her sentencing in 2015. She was given a resentencing, and the judge sentenced her to exactly the same thing, death by lethal injection. She was the first woman to be placed on death row in Mobile County and one of five women on death row in Alabama. Four-year-old Natalie was known as the little princess of the family. Three-year-old Chase was known as the daredevil. Hmm. Natalie adored Christmas. She called Christmas lights gumdrops. While um, Chase was a curious young boy who tended to gravitate toward females, he was also known as a little ladies' man. Uh And clearly, the last portion of their life was horrific until they were ultimately killed and discarded in the woods like a piece of garbage by their own father. And that is the tragically sad and heartbreaking case of the murders of Natalie and Chase DeBlaze. Oh, that's another one of those where I had to tune out for 30 seconds to a minute or two. Like, it's just so it's not even close to the horribleness that Natalie and Chase had to go through in this poor babies just beyond heartbreaking and all the cases we talk about are tragic and sad but it's something about the innocence of a helpless child well, I was listening to one of the um, 
the yeah, Huberman's latest podcast and there was a, a child specialist on there and she said I was talking to you about this today in our walk and, and she said you know at the base do you believe children are good or bad and it's like good pure innocence good yeah, love yeah you know, most people would say kids are good they've yet to be jaded by you know what's going on in the world yeah when they act out that's just because they don't know how else to say it or you know they don't know how to communicate yeah. you know, properly because they're children they're and that's children. our jobs to teach them you know show them the way and it's like but they're like kids are like the closest thing you can get to heaven like on earth basically you oh. know it's just I don't know. It's but yeah, and sure, our kids are pains in the butt sometimes. Of course. <laughs> I mean, that's being a parent is not easy, no. but kids are just I just love them so much and to think that these two children like trusted their father. They were probably looking to him for help as he stood by and did nothing. Like, Possibly ended their lives with his own hands. Yeah. We don't know. We'll never know. It doesn't matter. What matters is that this happened to those two innocent children. Like I'd love to pay 50 grand to like, just go take those kids and as our own right now, you know, like we don't, you know, necessarily have the means to raise two other kids, but like, I'd rather have them, them here safe than and loved gone. Yeah. It's just so sad. Ah, oh, man. Kids are just like, they're the future. They're everything. They're everything that this country and this world is, is right. in our kids hands and then their heads. Like it's just up to us to take care of them. It's, yep. And they failed. Oh, they were sucked. failed by a lot of people, you know, yeah. technically. Yeah. Poor babies. I'm sorry. And if you're, if you're dealing with something right now and you just can't deal with your kids, it's okay. Um, p- plenty of people will take care of your kids. I promise you that. And you want them to t- get taken care of well and be out of your house. That's okay. That's totally okay. Just give them to mm-hmm. someone else. Fire department near you. And, and people will respect that you've made that decision. I would way, way rather be talking about that than than what we talked about today. Yeah. So I'm so sorry to the little angels, Natalie and Chase. So thank you all so much for being here and through such a tough story. And, I know and it was a very tough story. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's, there's plenty of other horrific, horrible stories, uh, available <laughs> on Patreon and, it sounds horrible, but um, yeah, it, yeah. Th- th- just remembering, just them. remembering them is what really comes down to. So their their stories need to be told, so we can look out for things like this. If you see something, say something. Right, exactly. Right? That's exactly right. So thank you and welcome to the Crime and Coffee Couple Club to our latest uh, patrons. It's uh, Samantha, Terry, Christian, Hallie, Rebecca, Jasmine, Chelsea, and Nikki. So thank you all so much for you know, putting some of your hard earned money towards our little mom and pop. Uh, podcast on pa and i'm ma yeah so we really appreciate you allison's working towards us being a full-time gig someday who knows the world never knows what what to expect but regardless we appreciate you guys so much thank you so much for listening for being here um we're having a fun time doing this you know despite the sad stories we tell like mike said it's about remembering these people and learning something what we could look out for right and I'm sorry this was such a sad and tragic case, but we appreciate you guys sticking through it with us. And we'll be back for next week. And until next time, 